It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. To infinity and beyond! Get off, Napoleon. Make yourself a dang quesadilla. I know kung fu. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. And my axe. This should be open, because it's civil rights. This is the 90s. You're going to need a bigger boat. 1.21 gigawatts! I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Gucci. Welcome to the Kendall Cast Movie Roundtable. I'm your host, Kendall. With me, as always, is Ian. Hey, guys. Jeff. How's it going? And Nick. Hello. And today we're talking about Timothy Chalamet's movie... Where it's, he's on a desert planet, and uh, I, I should have said the guy that plays Poe, like Oscar the, Isaac. I, yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> try Os- that again. <laughs> and um, Alan? We're, we're, we're and gonna, Oscar Isaac's your dad. <laughs> we're gonna play. We're gonna talk about. I don't know. I don't know. Any something something. Oscar Isaac on a desert planet, um, because it's like Star Wars, but it's Dune. Start over. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, yeah, so Dune 2021. <laughs> so Dune 2021 is what we're talking about. Um, so, uh, okay, I just want to I just want to get this out of the way um, because I think I did say most of what I had to say um, on the last podcast about, uh, about David Lynch's Dune, uh, but I did watch it a second time, like I said I was going to at the end of the podcast, and um, I think that I fell into the trap of, like, uh, thinking it was a guilty pleasure when it was actually just a thing that I really enjoyed for what it was. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, and I watched it with my wife, so I'm not totally crazy. She also liked it better than the 2021 version. Uh. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, the word that I was looking for that I couldn't think of was earnest. Uh, we didn't talk about the music at all. Uh, and I, I think the music and the, and the overall, there's just this, overall something about that movie so what you mean is that, that the Ernest goes to hollywood series is better than 1984 dune is that what you're talking about i i, I never watched any Ernest stuff but although i you know cults whatever uh i would say that i would say that uh dune 2021 is is gonna not be anybody's favorite movie dune 1984 is somebody's favorite movie citation needed it's candles. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not mine, but but it's. I mean, I it's got something. It's got something special about it that uh, that makes that makes me want to go back to it. That it's makes a special it's, kind of mess. It's 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 the kind of film that is going to be played in like retro throwback theaters for the next fifty years, and it you know because it already has been, um and uh, and you know have a devoted following where I feel like. Where I feel like the new Dune movie is very is very capable, is very like well done, but it's not. It's just not anything. There's nothing special about it. So uh, it's especially beautiful. That's all. That's all that I will. Say, that's all that I will say. <laughs> all right. I mean, I will say. I don't like, have that much more to at, say about, about the film. Like so. as somebody who also enjoyed the the '84 Dune for what it was. Like I can still say, like this new this new picture is much better. 
and uh, and I'm looking forward to the second half of it, which has already been announced right. um, and confirmed. So um, there's there's a lot to say about this new one. Mm-hmm. Um, so my take is that I, I love this movie. I think this is probably the best science fiction movie I've seen in the last decade, I would say. Really? Yeah. Uh, although I really like Arrival. Yeah, I was going to say. Also, yeah, so same director. Maybe I like Arrival better. But the, at the same time, though, even though they're both science fiction, they're vastly different films, right? Like, Dune feels kind of more of like the epic adventure variety, whereas Arrival kind of feels more like a introspective philosophy kind of movie. Um, but anyway, like, for me, I'll, like, I don't know if I would say this is my favorite movie, but I imagine it might be for a lot of people. Um, and based on the reviews that I've read and the general reception that I've seen, like, it's pretty well loved with an asterisk which which i'll get into a little bit later um but i feel like this movie succeeds for me in a lot of areas that the 1984 version fails um and again i'll get i'll unpack that more but overall i really enjoyed this movie it was an amazing experience both on the visual level but also i feel like on like a story and thematic level and of course going into the theater which i definitely did i felt like was a must for this one i kind of i kind of read that going in that you should see it in a theater if you can so i decided to do that even though i could have watched it on hbo max you know for free quote unquote Um, i feel like going to see a villeneuve movie outside the theater is kind of a missed opportunity (laughs) like and i took that missed opportunity (laughs) uh this is my first villeneuve film i never i've never seen arrival i know it's on everyone's list of films that sci-fi buffs should see but you didn't even see blade runner I know I didn't, I didn't see the. Okay. I still have not seen the new Blade Runner. I, yeah. I rewatched the original Blade Runner and was kind of so turned off by like the original Blade Runner. <laughs> it's a slow burn for sure. It's which a, is true. It's not even movies. just a slow burn. Like it just hasn't really, I don't know, aged super well. <laughs> certain parts of the movie, and I just never got I mean, around. Certain parts definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I'll exactly which part I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, and I just it, like Blade Runner's on my list. Just never got around to it. I know it's a good movie. Everyone likes it. This movie is gorgeous. I mean, it. one of the biggest flaws I've heard about this movie, and we're going to get into, into my list of why people hate this movie, because I, I liked this movie so much, I expressly was like, man, I don't really have a lot bad to say about this movie, so I'm going to do something I've never done for any of our movies, and I'm going to go out and look for expressly bad look reviews right. review. to yeah, try sure. to figure out what to talk about. Yeah. And... I think I'm just going to get into it. The main things I heard was expressly, it's too long. It's too short. It is long. <laughs> There's too much exposition. Too There's not, not enough, enough world exposition. building. <laughs> there is, there's, there's, uh, it's not interesting. I want to hear more, but it doesn't give it to me. The movie, <laughs> and yeah, and base and various things things about the various actors like chalamet has both no expression and some other things but the main uh, yeah. thing is that i do think chalamet they're all very was... contrasting positions well the thing is okay so it be it is simultaneously too long and too short because for because first of all it is it it doesn't tell a whole story it is right. the whole thing is yeah. set up yes so from so, that perspective it's too short so right yeah, it doesn't yes. tell it the doesn't tell story. this whole story except for the fact that it's still way longer than the 1984 right right, right. and there are so many scenes like there's there's like 12 scenes at the end where they're just literally walking across the desert right. yeah. and it's like it's like we get it you you need to walk you don't need to spend five minutes of just them walking. Although, speaking of walking, I really appreciate the fact that they went into the the sand walk or the yeah. sand dance or whatever they called it. 
the the walk without rhythm thing which was kind of just touched mentioned yeah. in the in the original film this time they actually because i always struggled to kind of think what would that look like right, how would right. you do that walk without rhythm thing the only thing that bothered me was specifically one scene where a character should have been doing it and then and didn't, didn't and yeah. it was kinds yeah. but she was also attempting to summon one so it wasn't a big deal right <laughs> but i do think this goes back to the, the asterisk that i alluded to because i agree that i feel like the way this movie handled the transition was clunky and ultimately not the smoothest and it had the big climactic moment at the end right with the harkonnens attacking harkonnen depending on how you pronounce it right? we can say harkonnen yeah harkonnen <laughs> is the 2021 version um and so that's this big climat big climactic moment and you know i was even waiting for like the moment when duncan was gonna die right and like during that battle it just doesn't happen and so i'm like wait a minute is he gonna survive this time that's weird and then eventually he does but it kind of feels like that was overly stretched out yeah so speaking of duncan yeah that was one of so one i have like two or three gripes with this movie one of them is that he didn't die during the battle and instead they have him just kind of show up and pick them up in the desert after their exile and escape and then only to give him one more scene yeah. Where they get attacked well, again he, by the Harkonnens the whole, and then Isn't that what actually happens in the book, though? Yeah, I think that's actually really important. He, Because uh, he, he's the one that takes them to the Fremen. Yeah, that's true. If you don't have that, then they just stumble on the Fremen right. in a way that doesn't make any sense. Which is like but the plot the, point that makes the least sense in the David but, Lynch movie. No, I, I thought... There's definitely a problem with this because in the 1984 David Lynch movie they make a big deal about his character and then he gets shot in the face. Right, like it's over. Like this is way better for Duncan. I think he dies during the Harkonnen attack in the book. Oh, the book. Yeah. I don't think does. so. I, I, I have to check. I haven't read the book, but I, I asked mean, I, someone who has. And I they, have read the book. They thought he died right before the, the you know two weeks ago. Um, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that he I'm pretty sure that he takes them to the. It's it's what it is in the it's what it is in this film that so, he that he someone's takes gonna, them there. Someone's gonna have to look it up because right. one person told me one thing and now Kendall's mm-hmm. telling me something else. But like, even I though mean, I, I e- almost way, knew what was going on when I was listening to the <laughs> yeah, audiobook. E- there. Either way, the scene struck me as kind of a, a little odd that they saved certain characters only for them to have ha- to have them die one right. scene like, later. I don't mind the scene itself. For me, it was just it was a little awkwardly executed with the pacing and timing of it. But I still liked. <clears throat> I felt like Duncan was well executed. Pardon the pun, um, as a character, uh, way better in this movie than in the nineteen eighty four right, where he gets Certainly. like one scene and he just awkwardly shakes uh, Paul's hand and then dies later. And then like what? But in this one, like they have a great rapport with each other. Jason Momoa's performance is extremely charismatic and funny, and interesting. He's useful to the overall Atreides effort of of making contact with the Fremen. And you can see him explain their their like cultural with the quip, spit with and the everything. spit right. And yeah. he like he, he he acts as sort of the bridge between these two cultures, and that's a very important role for him to fill. And so by the time he does die and has that moment, it's so well earned. And for me, like I felt something in a way that I obviously did not. In the and the fight version. itself is super cool. Right. Yeah. With like the laser and everything. Exactly. Where yeah. it's just super <laughs> awkward and goofy looking in the original, but in this one, it's executed really well. Nick has it going over there. Did you find right. an answer? So, <laughs> all it says is that he dies in the initial attack uh, when uh, Harkonnen troops attack, but that he takes on... It does include that he defeats 19, 19 Sardaukar yeah. uh, in order to let them escape. So I think it happens early, earlier in the, fil- or in the original book, like during the attack, but mm-hmm. also not in a completely meaningless way like in 1984. Sure, right? and I don't know if he had already, like in the book, if he had already facilitated the interaction between the, the Fremen he... and the Atreides. 
Yeah, I think he basically gets them familiar and then just sort of like tells yeah, them to find it. Yeah, it doesn't, it just felt, doesn't really It just matter. felt a little weird. Like they get dropped in the desert and then they get picked up with yeah. no real explanation to how he found them. And then he dies a scene later. They did, very, mention, a... they did mention uh, their pack had a beacon that would summon Atreides okay. troops. Oh, okay. So they do kind of cover that. It's reminiscent right. to me of the scene in Empire Strikes Back, right? Where Luke and Han are in, on Hoth, right? And they kind of wave down the Rogue Two guy and he picks him up. And, you know, it just kind of felt similar to me in that way. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So, um, or what my other gripe? Oh, yeah. My other gripe. Maybe this was just in comparison. Again, like I saw the 80, we all watched the 84 one, and then we watched this one shortly after, yeah. or or long, slightly longer after, depending on who you are. Yeah, but we all watched but, the 84 one first. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I was like directly comparing them throughout watching the, the newer film. The other thing I thought was kind of interesting was in the new one, Paul does not seem like a particularly competent character. Whereas in the original one, he was made out from the beginning to be like this prodigy. Sure. Right. So it felt, it felt very natural for him to like rise to be this very powerful and potent character in the original film. Whereas this one, he gets into the knife fight with the guy at the, the Fremen at the end. And I, I didn't think he would win or, yeah. or if I thought he would win, I thought it would at least be hard. And yeah, he actually he's... fairly trounced him. Well, I think part of that is starting to explore is where uh, Villeneuve is actually exploring different themes from the first one where uh, 1984. Yeah. He's, he's always been the hyper competent leader who's given an opportunity to become what he could. Where in this one, it, I think the, the plot line is basically going more in a direction of uh, sort of, what if a prophet or a destined one doesn't believe in themselves? They don't know what to believe. They could be crazy, sure. which is far more interesting to me than a hyper-competent character who's just the biggest badass to ever have True. badass. I, yeah, and, and I, 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 I agree with you, Nick, and I think that's why I ultimately like Paul better in the, 220, the 2021 version, because I agree he comes across a lot more vulnerable throughout the movie. And even the scene, right, when like the, the robot comes in that, that floats around and tries the to hunter seeker put, yeah the hunter yeah. seeker right and in the original right like paul's like i know how this works i just have to be still and i'll and i'll take this done it's you know he, he's in control even though like he's on the defensive but in this movie right like you can tell he's nervous the entire time he's making it up as he goes along he kind of figures out i need to not move here right and even it like comes up like right to his eye and he's breathing hard and he's sweating and you can tell he's really disturbed and like I just love the vulnerability that's communicated there and you see that carried throughout the entire movie and even though I agree it makes it kind of weird that he just trounces the guy at the end in the fight I'm like I'm not sure if that makes sense but overall I like his vulnerability as a character a lot better and I think that has a lot more potential going forward in the second half like, yeah, as he so grows into that I want I want to respond to two things you said one the hunter seeker I hate how it just goes right for him and then stops <laughs> like it should have wandered around or something like why didn't it just kill him yeah. it, that's what it was there for and then the second thing is, uh, I think they did a lot. There's certain aspects around the pre-Arrakis story, I think, that they did very well. Number one of which is Oscar Isaacs as, as uh, the dad, yeah. as Duke Atreides. I think he does a fantastic job. That little moment where uh, he basically tells him, "You, no matter what, you're all you're the one thing I've always so needed." That yeah. is a great scene and makes him one of the best sci-fi dads. Makes him immediately instantly better and more <laughs> likable to me than the original Duke of Trades. Also, desert power. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get into that later. Okay. The desert right. power line <laughs> is for me, solid. Because for me, that's desert one of my power. That's 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 from that's from the David Lynch it movie. It is though. in the David yeah, Lynch movie, but it's, movie, but it's handled better. way better in this, in this movie. Yes. 
But going it's, back to the Hunter Seeker thing, I do have a different uh, read on that scene for why. I don't think it just stops randomly. I think as like I think as the scene progresses, Paul figures out that he needs to stop moving more. Because like when the Hunter Seeker first comes in, he's moving a little bit and he's twitching. And that's what draws it to him. But then he starts to figure out, I need to stop moving. And then as he does, then it stops right at the last second. I have to see it Which again. goes... Back to what I was saying with the 1984 version, you don't need the characters thinking, right? Like, this scene executed that to such a perfect degree without the messy I, thoughts. I want to I wanna right? say like, something about the messy thoughts, but I think Nick had a second point he wanted to make about your previous point. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I'll get to that later. It's basically, I want to talk about uh, the mother, but we'll get to that later. The Hunter Seeker okay. is dumb. I The more you guys are talking about it, it's like, why doesn't it just have a camera? Be- uh, because we've kind of talked about this last time it exists in a world where there is no ai because it, basically there was an ai war and the ai revolted and now they're not allowed to be any ai so it had to be a guy in the in the, the hunter seeker it was being controlling the hunter seeker right? yeah that's what right. the, they pulled Why the guy doesn't out of the have a camera though does have some sort of camera if it's got a camera then why can't you see a, the the guy that he's gonna kill is because right there. it's t-rex vision we they've kind of talked about that in both versions that's I believe. dumb if he didn't have T-Rex vision, he'd die, and then the story's over, yeah, and it sucks. But have <laughs> yeah. a better thing. Cool. Okay, so, um, like, but, I don't know. I, I just, I just, it just occurred to me that that was dumb. But to be, to be so, fair to Kendall, like, he's pointing out a kind of uh, inconsistency in the world building, which that, if you have too many of those, that can add yes. up over time and take you out of the But moment. that's like an in-universe thing, not a right. film thing. Right. Yeah. right, right, yes. It is, it is, yes, the book, okay. I didn't like the book, and I like, yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's, that's okay. you know. I mean, yeah, it's I just, see what, it's I, see I didn't understand Kendall. what was going on when it was that scene in the book. Okay. So I, right. I only understood what happened when they explain it six times later in the so, so let's get back to the thoughts. Okay. How in the how in the in the eighty four movie right they had awkwardly kind of characters thinking um, and at, it was a little jarring at times where you know you, you were trying to figure out someone saying massively this, jarring no. massively jarring. Um, sorry, but sorry. And, mm-hmm. and in general, I think they did a really good job of you know showing rather than telling and just not needing that right. sort of thing but there was one opportunity where I, I thought it was a little awkward um after he has put on the suit the environment suit and you know he's done it right yeah the the one woman kind of turns away and she kind of mutters right uh, you know they do that will, a ton he will know your ways is it's not just one it's not just them. once they do that constantly and that's a, the movie. that's a problem in a lot of movies and storytelling where you need a character to to communicate something but there's no one for them to talk to so yeah. they just say it out loud for I mean, no reason i think what i would have done is i would have just like done made done a thought thing but make it more clear like just do a close up on her eyes, either that and have the words or something like that. Or you can have her explain it to someone else later. Yeah, you know where you don't need to randomly cut in with a thought. Yeah. for the for the one I, time. I thought that I, was, I thought that was a little awkward. Did not. I mean, because of that, we do not get the "I like this Duke's line, right. which I mean is still yeah. one of my favorite things. But I mean, at the same time, like the fact that they didn't have to do that, I think, is a testament to the better script yes, that right. is written and the better job they do. I, I feel I creating feel like scenes that they don't. You guys are crazy. you you and the guy who wrote the New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> review for Dune apparently thought that was like one of the best things in the film and in the 1984 film and well, I just yeah. don't understand I mean, it's it. It's a stylistic choice and the and it's, it's it's a stylistic choice that they were forced to use probably after filming because I mean, they yeah, had to yeah. cut. It's really it's really a, well, it's really I mean, a crutch. Yeah. Right? It's 
it's what I mean. It's in other. I I, you, I real. I remember this. It's it's in. It's a it's a it's a tool that David Lynch uses in his other stuff. I mean, okay. it's it's. I mean, it's a little he bit. Uses it, they do that in. Um, it's all over the place in Twin Peaks. I mean, it's. it's I mean, a, it's, it's fine once choice. or twice, or to do yeah specific things. But I think it's overused in 1984 Dune, and they probably should have used it for the prophecy lines. Because the muttering was kind of awkward, and it's like, sure. well, now you just look, now everyone just looks like a crazy person. Not a great yeah. But at the same time, yeah. uh, they've set up this prophecy, and they have to show that the people, the Fremen, are just really believe right. in this. Like, like they are uh, yeah. so excited and they can barely contain themselves. Yeah, and that's and definitely played up in this version. Mape yeah. does a fantastic job during her scene where she's introduced uh, to the mother, whose uh, name escapes me. I think it's Jessica. 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 Okay, Jessica I wasn't sure. Mother, yeah. But I mean, they—I mean, they—they they definitely. There are more scenes of somebody muttering something in another language, not just the Fremen. Like every single person apparently speaks a second language that nobody else in the room understands. There are more. There, there are more. Oh, there's a lot more of that than there was the internal monologues in the uh, in the in the. There's language. a lot of internal monologues in the. Yes, there is a lot of. See, like, I actually this is I I'd highlighted this t- to bring up as a positive thing. Because most of the time when they're talking in another language, they are sp- using it for a very specific reason or to talk to another specific mm-hmm. person. Now, n- maybe all the what I assume was Japanese did not need to be there while he's talking to uh, uh, UA or uh, oh, the, the doctor. The doctor yeah. But at the same time, it sort of establishes that this is a the, there are other cultures and they are wildly appropriating other cultures to create the new world, basically. Yeah. yeah. And. I really enjoyed the fact that the Sardaukar did not speak English. Yeah. I thought that was a gr- the Sardaukar scene is perhaps my favorite scene for the entire film. Mm-hmm. And I I know I've kind of mentioned Warhammer before, but the the Warhammer fans are convinced that this is the closest thing they're ever going to get to a 40k movie, and they <laughs> these love are it. the Space Marines, <laughs> yeah, the, the Space Sardaukar. Marines and stuff. Yeah, this movie felt similar to me in that regard to Firefly, right? Where you had a, a world in which it took place in the future coming out of the world in which America and China were the predominant cultures. And so they kind of get fused together. So you had English and sort of Chinese idioms and language kind of spliced together constantly. And you'd have characters randomly break out the Chinese for no reason. And it felt, it kind of seems similar to that right. in this, in this movie. And it works in my opinion. Yeah, Maybe not for really Kendall, but too. it did for me. Yeah. yeah. And very rarely, I think the only time, to- I think only the Fremen really talk to themselves for the most part, where everyone else is using a different language to talk to someone specifically. And I want to talk a little bit about the Fremen in this movie because uh, I really liked the way in which they were handled, you know, especially compared to the 1984 where – and the 84 version, they kind of just feel like afterthoughts until they're relevant in the story. You know, they're, they're referenced and then you have like the Fremen cleaning lady who does some things. Um, but other than that, like they don't really do anything in the movie until they're supposed to. Uh, whereas in this version, right, they're not, like, relevant to the story, obviously, until later. But you still see them sprinkled throughout the entire film. Like, when they first arrived on Arrakis, there's a lot of, like, Fremen refugees that are there that they're taking care of. And that they, they'll they see Paul Atreides walk by and they start screaming at him, like, this is the guy, right? And, and you're constantly reminded of their presence. Well, those aren't refugees. Those they're are not, the workers. <laughs> yeah, not refugees. But you know what I mean, right? And, and of course, you have that great scene where um, Duke Atreides is talking with uh, the leader of the Fremen, Stilgar. Yeah, Stilgar, and you can see their cultural their culture sort of confront each other. And I thought that was really well done. And they're just 
more established and more interesting earlier in this film, which I thought was better. Yeah, sure. I would and, just love and to... You, and you have Duncan there to make the introductions yes. and stuff, which he didn't do in the, right. in the other one. I just love to to mention just how great it is, how weird Stilgar is in this movie. Yeah. Like, he just seems... They do a great... I, I mean, I want, at the beginning, I kind of didn't like it. I was like, oh, man, this guy is just weird and awkward and then the more i thought about it the more i'm like he actually feels like he doesn't value anything you value he doesn't yeah. care about anything he doesn't understand social nice the niceties in the same way you did he's just completely sort of an alien yeah. thought process and i i think it does a they do a really good job of that for most of it i think he he's a little weak maybe right before the fight where he he's just sort of can't decide what to do with yeah, them he kind of lets the other guy take the lead but i think it i think it as a whole, Stilgar works out a lot better in this film. So this, this is probably a good uh, opportunity for me to transfer or transition to what I liked most about this movie. Obviously, the visuals are incredible. The special effects. I thought the soundtrack was excellent. The ships were great. The thopters yes. were super cool. <laughs> yes. And and like the scene where the, the research facility gets swallowed by the sandworm. Yeah. Like it was it was fine in the, 80, in the 84 version, but it was just incredible in this one. I'm, right? like, I'm eagerly anticipating seeing the worms in their full glory yes. in the next one. Right. And seeing them yes. ride the worms in the next one and yeah. how awesome that's going to look. I yeah. mean, you saw one. Yeah. <laughs> one you, see a little, you, but... you, see, you, you see it hinted, but you don't see it in it's full grandeur, yeah. right? Like that. But anyway. I hate the design of the worms in this. Oh, they're so <laughs> cool, Kendall. I'm not that different. The the well, I mean, the yes. <laughs> the the source. I mean, again, the the source material. The best worm sandworms are the ones at Beetlejuice. But uh, <laughs> I liked the in the in the Lynch film. I liked the the sort of three pronged mouth coming together. The like just circle of teeth is just is just the most boring design. It kind of reminded me of I mean, the Sarlacc pit a little bit. I, yeah, know, I, I mean, I, it doesn't make as much sense. I, I mean, I kind of agree with you there, but at the same time, like, it's it's a big worm with a hole and a bunch of teeth. Like, yeah. it doesn't bother me that much. But that's supposed to be the most interesting thing about Dune is the worms. Is it? I like yes, them. Yes, it it's is. Not. It, it, it kind of it is. It's I mean, the poster the boy level. for the series, but yeah. On the it's... surface level, that's that's like the thing that, and, and it's just like the most, yeah. Oh. Uh, like like every all the things about the design of this movie are just the most generic like sequel trilogy Star Wars looking stuff that I've that I've ever seen like in the worst possible way. Wait, can you give another example? I mean the thopters, the ships, their uh, clothes. What? Those were cool. They're all it. It looks it all looks like it all looks like the most the most uh, non Star Warsy sequel trilogy Star Wars designs. Like it's it's <laughs> so, just so you're saying sci-fi. it's it's, it's yeah, it's modern sci-fi with the, and it looks like modern sci-fi. Right. Yeah, it doesn't look imaginative at all. I don't know. I disagree. Like, especially because like when you watch the Thopter, not only are they visually interesting, but like the sound effects that come with it and how they're utilized, I think are fantastic and unique. And so maybe it's just a subjective assessment right. where you. I mean, I love the dragonfly I, yeah. Thopters. I, they're massively inefficient. And I can't believe <laughs> yeah, like sure. in what world you'd want one of those, but, <laughs> but it's cool. It is. It's neat. Right. Um, but I want to go back to what I was trying to say uh, right. before, Sorry. and what I really love about this movie is, if you remember from last episode, uh, I said that like if you would ask me what the themes of the 1984 David Lynch version are, I'm not sure I could tell you. Like I, I, I couldn't really think of one. I tried, um, but when you look at this one, like I think for me the theme is so rich here, which is that of 
desert power and what does real genuine power look like and how can you tell right because in the beginning of the movie it makes it pretty clear that like the center of power and influence and importance of the universe is who controls the spice on arrakis that's all that matters it's what draws the atreides there and of course the fremen are there but they're seen as kind of like nuisances they need to deal with in order to get what they really want right that's kind of their mentality initially and obviously that's what the Harkonnen believe too, right? This whole thing is a trap. They're laying the trap. They're going to retake control of the spice later without, well, getting the Atreides out of the way so they can cement their control over, over the, the galaxy, right? But what we learn is that even though these Fremen, this Fremen culture at first seems like they're unimportant and unnecessary, you, you start to realize even a little bit in this movie that what their control and knowledge of Arrakis as the planet and their prophecies and their culture that's where the real power is right that's why you have this sweet moment when oscar isaac recognizes that and he's like mm. desert power that's what really matters and you know he's not just talking about the spice right he's talking about something else so for me this movie is kind of a a um a, like it's a uh, metaphor for like colonialism a little bit but instead of just like wiping out the indigenous people you start to realize no the indigenous people here have so much to add and we underestimate them and that underestimation will lead to our undoing and like the story of the sequel if it's executed well is paul recognizing that where the true power is it's through making peace I mean, with this organization no longer est underestimating them and, and drawing out their potential and it's a it's a pretty problematic colonialist idea that the that uh in order to for these people to uh, recognize their full potential. A white dude has to show up and lead them. I, and I, I mean, mean that's, that's the but, and I mean that's the book. That's I the mean, story. That's the beauty. It's the problem with it's the reason. It's it's one of the main reasons that I. I that, think that, it's that, but that's the, the beauty of why a, Paul being more vulnerable in this movie could actually help that right because it could actually because you even have these sequences where he he sees these visions and he's being taught and trained by the Fremen and he's sort of like submitting to their wisdom and their knowledge. Whereas in the 84 version, right? He just comes in and he's awesome. He walks up, he teaches sure. them. He... They have the opportunity to make the, the Fremen elevate Paul exactly. rather than Paul. So that's why I Fremen. said in the beginning of this, of this uh, recording, right? That that's why my love for this movie has a bit of an asterisk next to it. Cause it depends on how it's executed in part two. If Paul just sweeps in and he's awesome and he's the white savior, like Kendall's talking about, I won't like it as much, but if he learns and submits to them and sort of, rather than demand that they assimilate to the culture of Atreides, he in, in turn assimilates into theirs and, and and then kind of rises up with their help. And like that can, there can be a beautiful story there. Right. And if, in this movie, I feel more like Duke Atreides is saying that they need to basically learn the Fremen's strength rather than exactly conquer them and become stronger i don't know it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't hit me in quite the same way but i definitely see the white savior thing could be a real problem in the sure. second one but that's it's, just the book because it was written in 1964 yeah, i mean it's, it's, <laughs> it's pocahontas and avatar right so that's 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 yeah, so they may or may not do that exactly so right. that's where we have to wait and see for the story to finish being told before we can finally make even because also the also the brown people elevating the your, your white male your white male protagonist has got its own problems too um but uh yeah uh, but they they also sort of established that like yeah maybe the fremen were kind of tricked by the bene Gesserit because they they sent people there a long time ago and mm. set up this religion so mm. that's almost kind of its own thing so yeah, speaking too. of the bene Gesserit, um after i finished the the 84 movie i didn't know that name 
but I came to this podcast knowing that name because I had already seen the 2021 movie. So I think that's, uh, you know, an illustration of how they took their time and yeah. exp- and yeah. helped me, like, get my bearings I mean, in this movie. I, I think maybe you just missed it because they say it a lot Did in 1984. Maybe I just, like, never I mean, really understood what they were talking I, about. I think, I think there is one, like, I, I will say one thing about Dune, regardless of the incarnation, you need to consume at least two versions of it to understand the story right? because <laughs> maybe. Yeah, because maybe. it is it is so it is so convoluted. By the time I was watching this movie, I almost knew what was going on. <laughs> I'm um, curious to get the perspective of someone who's I mean, watching 2021 and only that. I mean, right. we were watching because Molly watched them the other way around. She watched yeah. the 2021 and then she watched uh, the David Lynch with me. And uh, I asked her. She and first of all, she loved the exposition dumps in the David in the, at the beginning of the David Lynch movie because she was like, "That makes so much sense." Right? Because it answers she's... like it answers like all the questions that are just not answered at all in in this but film. If you answer them right at the beginning, you don't know you have those questions, and you're just like, "Why right. are you right. telling me yeah, this?" That's, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's got that's got merit too, and that might be because yeah. that was my like gut reaction to the to the exposition dumps at the beginning. I was like. That that's you just covered the first five hours of the book, you know, you know, and <laughs> yeah. in, in in ten sentences, it's not that much exposition. You know, it's like an, it's an opening crawl, like what but, Nick but, said. But 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 here's but here's the thing. Here's the thing that Molly did not catch on on her first view of the mo- of the movie, and I did not catch on my on my reading of the book. Um, neither of us realized until we saw the David Lynch movie that the spice is used for traveling through space. And they really don't, and that leads perfectly into my next comment. They do not address that very strong. They mention it directly, but there's one thing that's really noticeably missing from the 2021 version that I think will cause problems because it's not foreshadowing properly into the second movie is the lack of the navigators. They don't exist. Yeah. We identified them in yeah. both the book yeah. and 1984 as the actual villains of the entire story, right. and mm. they haven't appeared. Well, that that might be interesting because we don't. The emperor hasn't made an appearance yet either, right? Because he's not in. Yeah, which either. which which allows in so far allows you know Paul to sort of come bring the audience with him in his discovery yeah. that the Atreides house was sent there to die. Exactly. Right. Because one of the things that I like way better about the 2021 version as opposed to the 1984, and in David Lynch's movie, you find out immediately. That right. The they Harkonnen, just tell you. Yeah, they just yeah. tell you the yeah. Harkonnen are planning an ambush and they're going to take out Atreides, right? And then that just happens that way and you're like, oh, okay. Right. Whereas in this new movie, you don't know that going in. You have right. no idea this, this attack is coming. Or I mean, I knew it was coming, obviously, but right. I imagine most viewers who haven't seen the old one didn't know this, right? So maybe they're doing something similar to like this at the end where they allude to the Emperor in the movie, but you never see him. So maybe like in the second half, you think the Emperor is the bad guy. Oh, actually, there's this Navigator's Guild and they're the ones who are really pulling the strings yeah. here. I mean, so you're right, though. It'll say. be interesting yeah. to see. I, they're going to have they're gonna have to really finesse that. I think, I think it would have been more helpful to have uh, some. I mean, they kind of had the... They kind of had basically the... Uh, the robot looking dudes that showed up for the ceremony in the first one, but yeah. that's not the same. I mean, just have it. That doesn't, that didn't strike me as yeah. meaningful in any way. I mean, they could show up again, members of the Imperial court. Although I would like to point out that the document that they had, that was basically black background with gold text was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think, I think that's going to be, I guess, something to watch for, for the second. Yeah, one. I mean, I don't uh, so another thing about, another thing about the second one. Um, so, we got to a point in the David Lynch movie on my rewatch last night 
and I hit pause. It was an hour and 30 minutes into the movie, 45 minutes left of the movie. Okay. Do you know what that moment was? No. That was the end of, of this movie. Okay. So this movie covers two thirds of what of, of what was in the David Lynch movie, huh. which is I'm, which is what I'm excited about because so, I felt like that part was right. rushed so badly. In the yeah, yeah. yeah. So so yes, yeah. so yes, that part was that part was rushed. Uh, it's also the most disjointed part of the book, hmm. and um, it's yeah, it's it's going to be the hardest. It's going to be very difficult to pull off right. in the second film. Uh, you know, it's I. I I always, I'm always like, I, I'm always hesitant about these two part, these two part movies, because, uh, I mean, I, I did not like, I mean, you know, we talk about some of the prominent ones, the Harry Potter, I, I hated the second Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows. Um, I agree with uh, that. Uh, yeah. It was, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was, it was like barely a movie. Yeah. Um, it chapter two ruined the entire franchise for me. Didn't the first chap, the first it movie, Haven't seen I it. thought was like like one of the best like it was one of the most well done horror movies like because usually horror movies are like they're good because they're like scary or they're good because they're they're cheesy and fun but they don't have the sort of foundation of like acting and like and like you know special effects or whatever like they don't have the budget they don't have the budget or or whatever but it it chapter one was like a because you know, hundred million dollar movie or something like that, and then and then ended up being crazy, and then you know, crazy billion dollars at the box office. Most and and it was and it was like one of my favorite movies of that year, probably. And and I was so excited, and it's like Bill Hader's gonna be in it, Chapter Two. It's gonna be great, and Bill Hader was not good in it, and nobody was good, and it like the all of the cast was horrible, and the and the every and. I mean, I've heard like that's a criticism of the book is that this all the parts with the adults are bad. Hmm. So we're in a we're we're so the second the second part of Dune is is the is the part that is the part that David Lynch screwed up uh, allegedly. Um, it is <laughs> it is the part of the book that is the most disjointed. Um, and uh, you know so and it's and it's the second part of this thing so there's there's a some pretty lofty expectations right? like just give me some giant worms and some atomics and I'll call it <laughs> well and I, I, like I get like I said I think there's great thematic potential there because you know in the original story right like he the Fremen and him go and they attack the uh, the depots that the Harkonnen take, take control of to try to subvert their spice production right and in the David Lynch version they just kind of do that and then it's over but here, they, this is where they have the potential to be like, you guys think this is the most important resource in the world, and you think this controlling it makes you the most powerful organization in the galaxy, but it doesn't, because we can break you just slowly over time as we subvert right. your power. And that's, right. I think that's going to be basically what we see the most of, and I think yeah. was, yeah, one of the biggest missed potentials of the 1984 version, because they didn't have time, because they had too much to tell you, yeah. was the fact that we did not actually see, the, it was just kind of like people jumping out of the desert and... Yeah. Not and just yelling at people until everything blew up. Well, it's um, like you have like the tagline in Dune, right? Which is like the spice must flow, right? Yeah. But then the whole point of the second half is like, but which is, does it? Which so is taken from the David Lynch. So movie. what we're it's about to see is fun, oh, yeah. is something that yeah. I was kind of excited for in the 1984 version that didn't really happen is to see the beast Raban really we're gonna see him show up and oppress the shit out of everything yeah we're gonna see all kinds of things and i think the next movie because there's not a lot of script and one of the biggest criticisms i've heard about 2021 is it doesn't do anything 
like where he's just following the script he's just telling the story i think uh, villeneuve is really gonna have to show that he does have this movie down or not based on the second movie where he's actually gonna have to right. have a good script and have good scenes that maybe weren't covered previously but again that's why i'm optimistic because like when you look at 1984 like the harkonnens were so ridiculously cartoony right that like how could raban feel oppressive when he's like a clown like the entire time right well, where at least they're memorable Speaking memorable in a bad way to me. Tell me a fact about a thing that happened with Harkonnens in this movie. What do you mean, like? What do you mean, like a fact about, like? I mean, give me, give me a a something about the Harkonnens. Tell me something about the Harkonnens in this movie. Well, I was because I don't. All I remember is that there's the one moment where he's wearing a coat that's too big and rises into the air. It's pretty cool. I I mean, mean, I I think the Harkonnens are so much better in this movie because they're like totally consistent. What do they do? I mean, I don't remember them at all. Well, that that's because like. I don't know. Maybe you just like the cheesy camp better. But for me, like the, they feel menacing. Their their attack on the Atreides compound is extremely well executed. I felt like uh, okay, but give me the, an the objective du- fact about them. Not not like they're good. Give me an object. Uh, tell me a fact about them. What do you like? I, as opposed to like in the 1984 where like he floats what, around and blood pours what clothes on. Clothes like, do they? Yes. What clothes do they wear? Black. Yeah. Always black. And I like the I like the, I like the bald head and the pale faces. That's a lot more intimidating than like the shaved middle of their. The hair. medical goo is way scarier in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, right? There's medical. And I love I love yeah. the the scene where uh, the the um, Harkonnen troops break into the compound of the Atreides and they have like four lines of imposing warriors ready to defend them, and and they, they like brandish their weapons. With almost like ruthless efficiency, kind of reminds me of the elves in the Battle of Helm Deep. Yeah. But then, like the Harkonnen troops just walk up there and just dispatch them easily, well, no, and then that, they all die. So okay, so I think right. you've missed something. The Harkonnen troops are all in black. This is very important because they get their butts kicked by the by the Atreides troops. The two the two lines of Atreides troops are doing a fantastic phalanx, pretty much. Yeah. Up to that point, you'll only see black oh, bodies sure. on the ground. And then the Sardaukar oh, yeah. land behind. And the Sardaukar are basically the biggest destroy badasses. Them. Yeah. And they, they just destroy them. I don't think they lose a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, like, but I, I, but what I was trying to say is that um, the guy who plays Raban in this movie. Uh, Bautista. You know, Bautista, yeah. Bautista, yeah. Bautista. Like, he definitely has a lot more potential to have that intimidation factor. To really make the second part work in a way that Raban and the and that Lynch movie did, not. we're gonna get angry Raban and it's gonna be great. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really hard to not just see him as Drax. Yeah, like I said, it depends on how he's executed. A lot of that is movie. that's something that is something that was distracting in this movie is that there were a lot of people who I just see them as their characters and other things. Well, I mean, I think that was true for the 1984 version, except it was so long ago that none of us in the 1984 them. version. That, but it was. I mean, they had Sting. Come on, <laughs> and Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah, but that <laughs> was like Stewart. a. I don't know. For some reason, in that, it was a selling point for me because it was <laughs> okay. no, because totally okay. consistent logic here. So no, no, this is why this is why it was a selling point for me because it was it was first of all it was a bunch of people that we know now that were I mean yes Sting was Sting but most of those people are are known for what they've done since then. So so you're seeing a younger Patrick Stewart, you're seeing a younger Kevin McLaughlin, you're seeing uh that's his name, right? I think that's yeah. his name. Uh you're seeing a you know a younger uh, uh freaking Lars Santeca Lars von Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow, yeah. Yeah, that guy you're, like, you're seeing, you know. So so first of all, I think they did Dune for a lot of those people did Dune earlier in their career um but second of all they're they're kind of playing against type whereas in this i mean podameron was was pretty podameron 
Batista was pretty was 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 pretty Drax. Uh, but 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 your complaint here is that we don't have twenty years of them to have played against tight for this movie. Yeah, not to mention like Patrick no, my, Stewart my, was pretty Patrick Stewarty in, in yeah, right, but but, but this was right. before. But this was, I mean, That's I, kind of I don't know. Was now, it, I mean, it wasn't like... as. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm by it. Maybe it was maybe it was a problem back then. But I mean, that was general. That film, those it is objective that a lot yeah. of the stuff that you know those people from is stuff that is. But from you later. didn't watch that in that context when you first watched that movie. You knew Patrick Stewart from Star Trek, right? Right. So and like... it was not distracting for me because because he was clear because he was clearly playing a different character. I, I felt like but these, the I character felt like was these similar actors, to the character he plays in Star Trek. I felt right? like, like these. Well, and also Patrick Stewart's role in 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 Lynch's movie is really small. Right. Well, that's the problem with Lynch's movies. Everyone's role um, is underdeveloped. I mean, Gern, I mean, yeah. Gurney Halleck has not been super important in this movie yet either. To be fair. Although Gurney had an amazing character moment in the beginning that I loved, which was infinitely better than anything he does the, in the, the fight. Movie. No, it's, it's in the very it's, beginning uh, of the movie. It's Brolin, right? Yeah, Josh, yeah. they're all standing yeah. there waiting for the emissaries oh, the to come. Smile thing. Right, and he's like, hey, I need you to smile, Gurney. And he's like, I am Josh Brolin isn't one. I that, am smiling. That, that's not a character that distracted me. The ones that distracted me were, were okay. Poe Dameron. They were, uh, they were Mary Jane. Um, they were in, 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 in between. I don't know. Yeah. It feels like your argument here is kind of inconsistent I mean, to me, but to be fair, I mean, it is a bigger budget movie. I mean, they have bigger budget actors. You've seen them in things before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and but, that's but, just but, I mean, something the, that movie, happens in movies. It's, it's not internally inconsistent because, because Mark Hamill couldn't get a job after star Wars and, and Harrison Ford was everywhere. Some actors, some actors can are are distracting in that way, and others are not. Okay, but yeah. the, but the point is, is that it's entirely subjective about what is subject, what is like I mean, distracting, and what isn't. You, so. Basically, you you try to hide them as best you can. I think Oscar Isaac's beard did a better job than most people would have expected. Even <laughs> even still, like yeah, he was Poe in some ways, but in others he wasn't, right? Because like Poe is like a young, hot shot, like. He doesn't think very much before he acts. I was, Whereas, like, I felt like Duke Atreides had. Yes, he had the charisma of Poe, but he was, he was also wise older and, and wise. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know what when doing. I when I saw Oscar Isaac in Inside Lewin Davis, it didn't distract me. But when I see it in, in this, it, it and I think it's because the whole movie looks like a Star Wars sequel trilogy. I think it. I I think it could be just that it's the same genre of movie right. and it looks similar and your brain just can't handle that yeah i mean <laughs> yeah, i mean but bautista yeah. is in a sci-fi movie it must yeah. be drax yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean I bautista mean, like the jury's out yeah. i'll wait until the second you have film to, to decide if i was able to get past I mean, him being I, drax I, I, right. and and it's and i mean yeah you're right yeah you're right i mean it, it, a lot of it has to do with it being with it being a stylistically similar movie um you see somebody you know it's uh, yeah i mean and i mean it it's not necessarily a problem with the movie, but is if it bothers people, then it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, it, mean... It, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty. Like my my mom was like, because she hasn't watched any any uh, new Star Wars movies or any Marvel movies, and she was like, and she was like, do you recognize any of these actors? And I I I started listing them, and she told me to stop. Like <laughs> like I because there's so many like I, there's there's more than what we just did. they're new actors that she yeah. doesn't know <laughs> well well just just like it was like there was there was a whole list of them I mean even even the freaking Baron is the guy from uh, and that distracted me for the whole movie but in a good way because he was like a, who is that guy he's um, so much better in this movie I he's didn't, the guy I didn't from, recognize him 
He's the guy from uh, from Thor and Avengers. Yeah, yeah. He's the yeah. he's the old pro, he's the, the old the, professor guy. In the, the Norwegian Thor. scientist physicist yeah. that who gets, oh, his, gets his mind okay. controlled. Yeah. All right. Sure. Yeah, he's very good in this. He's film. very good. Like he's so much better than the Duke in the first movie, who's just a ridiculous. I mean, it's, that's just a directing choice. Yeah, but I that's think. A, that, that, that leads to the point that this new movie is totally consistent and knows what it is and what it's trying to be. Whereas the previous one is all over the place mm-hmm. totally. It wants to be right. epic. It wants to be cheesy. It wants to be anywhere in between. Well, and that takes I me mean, out. I mean, and and. And the and the yeah, well, and it takes you out of it for me. The the film the film being uh, tonally boring uh, takes you know made me fall asleep almost. You know, like I'm never totally... gonna watch. I'm never gonna watch this again. Like that's I, I am I, 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 yeah. maybe maybe I wanna, before the next again. one comes out, but probably not. This discussion is making me want to watch it again. Right. Um, yeah, probably. actually, because I didn't think it was is. boring at all. It was like it had like it's, an intensity. I, I understand what people are talking about. It, it's all visually. Most of the movie is kind of washed out. Uh, it all kind of it kind of feels the same, except for you know the actual highlights of basically everything before the Harkonnen attack. Kind of feels kind of bland but i mean the harkonnen attack itself is exciting i mean the fight at the end is exciting so i mean it does kind of revert to a baseline whenever something interesting isn't happening which i mean i can is most of the movie and it's a almost a three-hour movie so i can kind of understand what people are talking about um but like even the tech is explained and handled better in this one right because like it makes sense so number one, the force fields look, look way better in this movie. Than I mean, that's I mean, not that that's not Lynch's right, fault. Right. But, but, <laughs> but the point that I'm making though is in the original, right? Like the weirding way being a gun, and there's there's so many guns in general in the original that like it doesn't make a lot of sense why okay. the force fields are even a thing because they're even only used twice in the entire in the entire movie, right? That they you could have cut them. The, in a yes, in both battles. <laughs> well, but like the entire second half of the movie, they don't even show up. Right, like they're not relevant because there's no Atreides in the second half of the but, movie. But they're still Harkonnen. You could have had their whole Harkonnen foot soldiers be using them, right? The whole point is they is didn't that use. That's the, but they should have, right? If the movie was consistent and made sense, because the Fremen should have been figuring out ways to overpower them. But they also had guns, and but and the new one, right? Like it makes sense. You don't see as many guns because obviously the force fields protect you from guns, so you have to rely on melee combat. Although the dart thing seemed to work really well. The, yeah. The, oh my god. That, I hated. <laughs> I, that. I wish they hadn't done the dart I, things. I think that really undermined the entire world. Yeah, because they, they do that. it twice. They do it and, twice. And when you spin around, it follows, which is the whole point. Like, I don't know. It bothers me. It bothers me a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, it 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 it, it com- yeah, no, I I co- I complained about it. I yeah, it yeah. especially the especially the one that got the duke because it doesn't look like it's because it just kind of like it, it it doesn't look like there's something still propelling it. Now they do a good job with Duncan Idaho in a later scene where someone tries to use the dart gun on it and because it's stuck and vibrating, he's able to deflect it. Yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, if you could shoot them in the back, then there's no way they can get it off. And I don't know, it's kind of and weird. it's and it's yeah, it's like what's the point of the, yeah, what's the point of the shields if if a projectile can get through like that? It just right. Then you then you just walk around with a dark gun, shotgun, and you fire like yeah. fifty of them, and you can't dodge them all. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, it still explains why like en- like the energy guns aren't a right. thing, even though they're all over the place in the. E4 I'm fine with it to the extent where we just need to establish that we're going to see a lot of kung fu fighting. <laughs> and we don't want a lot of guns in it, but I feel like the dark guns probably either needed to be more special. Somehow they established that these were rare or mm. really like expensive to fire. Well, or there's something like a like million. That, but... There's like a million different ways that you could uh-huh. have. 
I just got that. I got that sense because like they're useful for assassination when your target doesn't know they're coming. But obviously, when they do, they show Duncan deal with it pretty yeah, effectively, exactly. right? So like it makes sense to me if that if they don't know you're coming, then why would you have? He doesn't have a shield on all the time, so he did know it was coming. I, well, okay, he he was suspicious, so he turns it on. But obviously, like in general, like they're only useful if your opponent like has his back right. turned towards you or they're not prepared I think for it. it could have been solved by Gurney Halleck maybe starting their fight off by trying to shoot Paul with one. I think that might have been a good way to introduce it ahead of time and then sure. kind of dismiss it as a widespread thing and then and then have like Doesn't in the book doesn't he just poison him? I think Who? he just drugs I think he just drugs them. Well, he Who drugs drugged? he drugs Jessica and uh Paul in this one too. Right, right. I, yeah, I think he drugs. I think he drugs all of them I, I, in, yeah. in the book. So yeah, but we needed someone to find shadow mapes in this one, is is the main thing, um, because that kind of and it's kind of a journey to follow because th- this movie attempts to follow characters to discover things where the 1984 version will just tell you things. So it's definitely a stylistic choice to have one of the viewpoint characters discover what's happening just in time to be betrayed. Yeah. Sure. Which I, I, which I would argue most of the time is a more effective way to tell a story. Yeah. And I, I really liked where he was looking out at the, the city and he's like, what is that light? Yeah. Someone's signaling. Yeah. It <laughs> just looks, like, it looks innocuous enough that you're not like entirely put on guard by it, but it's also suspicious enough that you're on, yeah. you're on edge. So it was an effective scene. I also thought it was funny uh, earlier in the film when they're, they're manually closing blast doors with just like teams of dudes. I thought that was, <laughs> that was really fun. Is there any? Th- I mean, I so think. there, there's uh, visions in both movies. How did you yeah. guys feel about the differences between how they were treated? You, anything about that? Um, the only, so I think the visions were fine in both movies, honestly. Like, but the one that I thought was interesting is in the new one. Like, he would have visions where he's training under the guy that he duels at the end, right? And the guy's giving him pointers yeah. and explaining things. But I then he, bring that up. but then he kills him, then he kills right? Him. So that. Again, depending how it's handled in part two, that can either be a really interesting twist on the visions and that they're going to go and explore, or it's kind of a weird storytelling foible that they're not going to explain. Right. And uh, yeah, there was definitely a moment was, is that the same guy or am I just racist? (laughs) Which was was a little concerning. I I assumed it was the same guy, but maybe I'm... I'm (laughs) Wait, isn't that the guy from his vision? I I just assumed that. I think the main thing is they're coming into is that his visions are potentially unreliable and undermining it. So he's not sure what to believe and it's just showing possibilities more than anything. So unlike the 1984 version, we're not on a set path necessarily. Which I... The 1984 version does does acknowledge some of the same the same stuff. He talks about not seeing about not being able no longer being able to see his future uh, later later on in the in the which okay. is which is sure. going for the same which is going for the same theme in the book where he's where he is he is seeing he is seeing futures he is yeah potential futures and then he you know can I take action to to change that right but um, I think they do a better. And, and yeah, I mean, they kind of say that like, oh, I can't use this power on myself anymore. But to to visually show, show don't tell. the fact that it is unreliable. Yeah, well, better. Makes, obviously think, it, di- it didn't work because we just had to explain it to you. What do you mean? We just we just had to explain it, explain, explain what the what the significance of the of the vision of the vision having a, a character that, that, get, that then gets killed off to you. So you didn't. You didn't. You I, didn't discover yeah. on your own that the, that the point is that it's a vision of possible futures. Well, the point is is that it hints at it, and then it might confirm it in the second part of the movie. 
Like, right. but it's hinting at it in a way that it's foreshadowing right. it properly, rather than just giving you yeah. a I, line I like think you're going to discover. Yeah, it. All, I, all of us, all of us, had individually had the moment where we thought, "Oh, wait, isn't yeah. that the guy that was in his vision?" Yeah, it's yeah. organically showing you that his visions aren't reliable. And, and right now, right. all you're supposed to react to is, "Wait a minute!" It's giving you a little bit of like a stone in your shoe that makes you doubt their yeah. reliability. So I think we all had the yeah. reaction that the film yeah. intended right. yeah. for us to. Yeah, yeah I think it. I think Jeff just didn't explicitly say it, just to kind of as a conversational mm. tool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Nick. That's exactly <laughs> uh, so uh, are there any characters so we kind of talked about some of the characters a little bit are there any characters that you thought did a lot better job in 1984 versus the new one because i would Aww. like to nominate that there is one character i think that does a, is better in the 1984 version than in the new version and i think that is jessica huh. i think the mother is better in the original mm. than in the new one because in the new one, she's far weaker. She's far yeah, less confident. She does feel a lot more powerful. And she powerful. does not feel like a Bene Gesserit. She's barely in it. Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah she's, yeah, she's barely in it. That's a good, that's I a good point. I, I, I like her in the new one, again, for the same reason that I like Paul better. Because because of that vulnerability. I know, like, you can interpret it as weakness. And I and I see that. I get that. But at the same time, right? Like, that, I don't know. That just makes her more interesting to me. Because, like, again, in the first, in the 1984 version, Jessica was just so self-assured all the time. Yeah. You well, know, that... It kind of had the but same that's her role. As yeah, yeah. I mean, I think th I think there's there's yeah, two I mean, sides of it. I th I think I would have preferred to see more of the confident Bene Gesserit in this one because even in this one, in her official capacity, she's kind of she spends more time doubting herself with than like fulfilling her role or being confident. We don't really see her dominate. But anyone. she's she's torn between two loyalties, right? She's torn between the loyalty of the Bene Gesserit, but also to the House of Trades. Right, that, but, that, that's but more she, interesting. But to me. she was arrogant enough to to defy them right. and have a son. We I don't, don't know if which... it's because she was arrogant. It's just because she loved Duke Leto. So I'm not sure. If, I think it was more because she was controlled by her passions. Not I think so the much main problem is we don't see her in her power in the new one. We Maybe, we, we never see her confident and strong and knowing where she fits but, in her place so maybe that's again it depends on how part two goes because if that's the completion of an arc then that can be really cool if it's but she was supposed to uh, she's she supposed to be most in the second she's half supposed to be most material. confident right up until yeah. the attack well in the second half like right she takes the magic water or whatever and becomes like the priestess of she the, does but of then the, but then the focus but, is kind of on the daughter at that point and then there's and then that becomes oh, the yeah. super confident like i said it's a matter it's a it's a matter of execution yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the thing is but the is thing part is one of a story we know that but we know the big picture of the story and her prime and the prime time of this character's story is what we've already seen it depends on how well. She, I mean, I mean, unless I mean, they completely change the entire nature of her character from the source material and from the previous incarnation of the which of the could. Story. I mean, it could happen if she because we kind of the 1984 and the book kind of skip over how the religious aspect of the the holy war with the fremen go. So she could still become very confident she could become the one who basically propels paul into the light right. uh like so said. that could be a huge part of the movie and yeah i mean i my i tend towards the fact that yeah with kendall her story should be almost done and she should kind of move to the background but they could have i mean there's not a lot of, to work with with the source material mm -hmm. and they could change it just enough to uh bring her more into the story because yeah. there's my point is just the jury's still out 
Yeah, right, I mean, we still I think, have more I think, information we need before. Okay, we so you said story. Jessica was handled better in the original one. I'm gonna go with Gurney Halleck. I like Patrick Stewart. You like Patrick Stewart, Gurney Halleck? <laughs> yeah. I, I just I like the Gurney the new one better just because of the smiling line in the beginning. I felt like that encapsulated him as a character Fine. so well. Right, I am smiling. Right, like like that line shows and not tells but us such on. a great Patrick Stewart. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he was fine in the original. But I, I think we're gonna get a lot more Gurney Halleck in the second one, so okay. I, I'm curious to see how well that works. He has to have a pug. There is no dog in this one. Yeah, come on. We don't have Battle why, Pug, and that makes me sad. Why do you have a pug in the first one? It doesn't do anything. It's just weird. I don't know. Like, this is random. I mean, the, the Atreides have a pug. The uh, the Harkonnens have a weird milk cat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fine with neither of those two making an appearance there, in the 2021 version. I'm of, absolutely fine with that. A disturbing lack of cat milking. <laughs> but we haven't gotten that far yet. So either. that's actually that's a that's a that's another character who uh, basically is written out of this one the is is Howard. Uh, the Sufir, the Harkonnen, uh Oh, the, the Mentat. The Mentat, yeah. 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 Fear Hawat, right? Yeah, which which I thought I mean I thought his character was was whittled down for the for the um for the Lynch version, but he's like he's just not even in this practically. I, yeah, which but one is the, the which, which character is that again? Exactly. Uh so he's the he's the human computer guy. He's the uh they ask him how much Solari it costs to cut to for them to send this yeah. part. Right, that's like one the Baron's, line. The Baron's right. henchman. So I think okay. I think on no, one No, not he, the Baron not the no. well no, no, he's the he's he's the Atreides guy. So so if you were he's he's I think he's bald in this one. In the in the Lynch version, he's got the weird he's the older guy, he's got the uh, weird eyebrows. Right, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's but, the one who yeah, feels sorry. bad because Paul got attacked and he's like, Oh, how can I make it up to him? Right, like, right, because right, he's, he's, he's the head of security. Yeah. Right. I, he was, he's forgettable in both movies to right. me. I, I'd be curious to see whether he has a bigger part yeah. in the second one as well, because yeah, basically his story was not not meaningful at all in yeah. the nineteen eighty four one and well, kind of ended in so, a weird spot. Okay, so this is so here's here's book talk here for a second yeah the biggest missed opportunity in in both of these movies and especially in this movie because it's telling this part of the story specifically in the book there's a mystery between who is who is the person but who is the one that is betraying house atreides is it they're they're, they're convinced it's not the doctor because he's got his his special conditioning it's most they they think it, uh, Gurney thinks it's Jessica forever because um, she's a Bene Gesserit and right because be she's a Bene Gesserit um, and then and then it's it's like is it Jessica thinks it might be Howard Howard thinks there's a there's a lot of like interpersonal like who you know who could it, who could it be they make a point of I think they even show this scene maybe in both of them. Where uh, where the Duke specifically writes out a statement. And he says, "I know it wasn't you, Jessica, but I pretended like I was mad at you. You know that I was suspicious of you to throw off suspicion. Like there's this whole there's this whole a little bit compelling subplot, um, like like that that uh, that is just completely. It's a complete missed opportunity that establishes that establishes all of these all of these other major characters in the in in the Atreides that that." I don't know. It's just, it feels like a missed opportunity, especially in this film where they could have done that instead of had them walk across the sand for 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, could, that's a very good build point. Up a little bit more suspense. In the, yeah. In the first I mean, half. they, they did a good job of introducing the characters and kind of making them a little more real than the 1984 version. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that subplot. So yeah, mm. that's, and that would have been more interesting, I think. Whereas in, in the 2021 version, they don't really, 
the Duke's just like, nope, nobody betrayed us. Go find all the spies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just, that's a good point. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, so, so what I would have done, I mean, what I would have done differently, like big picture uh, with, with this is, is I would have included that as a subplot. I would have trimmed down about 20 to 30 minutes. Cause if you've got two movies, they don't have to be freaking three hours long. <laughs> like, Sure. Like if you wanted to, if, I mean, really, if you wanted to take your, you know, and, and if you're saying, blah, 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 but you could have made, I mean, you could have just made a three and a half hour long movie and, and told the whole story, I think. Um, but, uh, but if you want to cut it into two movies, they don't need to be, they don't need to be two and a half hours long. They could be, sure. they could be 90 minutes to two hours or, or salt or, or cut it off right at two hours. And I would have, um, I would have tightened up. The uh, I would have ended it on a little bit more of a cliffhanger, where um, probably do all the stuff with the with the Duke and the Tooth and all that stuff. Maybe maybe leave it up in the air whether the Baron survives. Uh, leave it leave it up in the air. He was uh, literally up in the air. So about <laughs> a, with with Paul and Jessica in the desert. Leave the Baron up in and the then, air. <laughs> I did then, like how scared the Harkonnens looked in that scene. They're just like, "What is that?" And and then and then in the and then begin the next movie with the uh, with the with the duel because um, yeah. that that duel was just and you like, could have shaved you could I like, was I was so done with the movie by then like <laughs> I was just I and you could have like shaved bed. like you could have had the like because in some ways the 1984 version executed this better where like the Harkonnen attack just sort of ends and then they wander throughout the sand and then they met, meet up with the Freeman and just right, goes right. back yeah, I, whereas I, this one that kind of pushes it you out you know I kind of think you're right I think I think uh, the duel should have been uh, them prepping for the duel and then just like it's time and then cut. <laughs> I think that would have been a better clip. Yeah, I wouldn't maybe. even have I wouldn't <laughs> even have, I would I wouldn't even have had them meet the meet the Fremen. I would have had them still wa- end it with them still wandering. So, One thing I like about them um, meeting the Fremen though and ending it the way they do on that shot, again, it, it kind of goes back to that theme of power, right? In the beginning of the movie Paul is the the heir apparent to the most powerful one of the most powerful houses in the galaxy. He's on the seat of power, like that's where you think it matters the most. And then by the end, he's just walking on the desert in this line of fremen. He seems to be at his lowest point positionally. Well, on the no, at the end, he's the leader of the fremen. I mean, not really. They're yes, I mean, him. yes, he is because he him. just he just no no you don't understand what happened then apparently. Okay, well, calm down. I'm well, like, they agreed to take him. They don't him understand what happens because Paul doesn't fully understand right. what just, happens yeah. because they haven't explained. Yeah, I mean, you understand it, and I understand it, but it hasn't been like explicitly. Yeah. They literally just agreed not to kill him and bring them. Bring no, him no, they kind of cover this. So basically, Stilgar got s- s- accused of being weak sure. because he was beaten by the woman, and then basically. Uh, the other guy challenged for leadership, and Paul said, I'm going to be the leader. But it, even though he didn't realize what he's doing, and because he won the fight, he is now the leader. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's why that should have been at the beginning of the next way, movie. Even if he is the leader, he's he's leading quote unquote. I'm doing the quote thing. He's leading like a band of like 20 people across the desert, like True. in the middle of the heat. It, it does not carry the same level of status, pomp, mm. and circumstance as he did in the beginning of the movie. And I think that's extremely it's, interesting. It's and important. a different level because you have to remember, Stilgar was the only one, the only Fremen leader who was who came to visit, which could either mean that he's a nobody and just decided to see what was going on, or it could mean he's really important. Well, I agree with you that the whole point of the movie is that 
that Paul is now going to be more powerful than he yeah. was before. But that's the idea, is on the surface it looks like he's not. But then the whole second half of the movie is going to explore the idea that actually, no, even though it looks like he's weak, he isn't. He's he's entering into his massive strength. Right. His desert power. So I, exactly. I, I think he's, that's kind of an interesting yeah. point to maybe go into the second movie on, yeah. too, is that he doesn't realize what he's done. Yeah. So, so I like that, that the movie ends there, because it's kind of saying what you think is powerful actually isn't, and what you think isn't powerful the problem is, is The problem is, now we're going to go into the second movie, and he's going to be the leader of the... Of the Fremen, and everyone is going to be like, "Why is he the leader of the Fremen?" I, mean, I don't you, understand. You don't know well, that. I mean, know that. I mean, par- what I expect, and based on reading a lot and watching a lot of sci-fi movies, is that we're the second movie is going to be much more of a, a steady build-up, him accumulating power, right. him rebelling, and then the eventual takeover. He I still needs to earn their trust. He, I'm and, pretty sure the second movie is going to be bad. So, okay, fair enough. I mean, you can't argue against. It's going to be. It's going to be the right, second right. Hobbit movie. But the point is, is like, yeah, uh, and you I see this with, with Zendaya's character, right? And when he first meets her, she's extremely suspicious of them. He, she thinks he's a weakling. She thinks he's going to lose the duel. And when he wins, she's like, huh. But, you know, she doesn't quite know what to think of him, right? And I think that like, the beginning of the movie, like, when he, once he meets with the rest of the Fremen, they're probably going to be suspicious of him. Who is this guy? And he has to slowly earn Right, he's going to have to prove himself. Yeah, and so that could be an interesting Speaking story. of Zendaya, how about her being 80% of the promo material <laughs> right. and having two minutes of screen time? <laughs> but her, her relationship with Paul is still more developed and interesting in the first <laughs> yeah, part of this I movie mean, than it was in all of the 1984. I mean, part really. of that is just because they had more than the one scene for the vision. So they had, like, four or five right. visions of her rather than just the same one over yeah. and over again which i think was a nice touch um but yeah i mean definitely people were like oh she was only on set for four minutes why wasn't she a bigger part of the story because yeah. she wasn't yeah, <laughs> she'll be in the other one yeah. don't worry it's the problem it's the problem of the source material yeah <laughs> she's obviously going to have a more expanded role yeah. In the yeah. be in the other one. i mean a lot of characters are going to have a more expanded role in the yeah. second one because it was 30 minutes in the original. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And it was mostly just group scenes of people yeah. jumping out of. And that's why I'm so excited about it, right? That's yeah. uh, Obviously, it could be bad, as Kindle I mean, seems assured it will be. But I'm, I'm more optimistic. But right. if it's handled well, it could be really great. It could be five armies. Oh, God, please <laughs> oh, let it no. not be yeah, five armies. What's an example of a movie that was broken up into two parts like this that the second one was good? I don't want to answer that because I don't think I have an, an answer for that, but I just want this one to be good. I feel like the, I feel like the sample size is pretty small. Was the, was the second Hunger Games good? I didn't see it. I, I mean, it was no worse or better than the first one, in my opinion. I mean, no, there were what? They three were Hunger Games? No, they, they, no, they broke up the last book into yeah. two. Well, I mean, it the last just... book of Hunger Games was absolute garbage. So yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was fine. I, I don't super love the Hunger Games movies anyway, yeah, so they I were mean, all kind of the same to me. I read the books. I watched. I watched the first movie, but I mean, the third book was just borderline unreadable. Yeah, it was my first. It was my least favorite of the three as well. Like mm-hmm. characters just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, drawing, I'm drawing a blank on part one, part two. I mean, yeah, like, I, mean, there's, I mean, that's that's more. That's a more recent. Thing. Yeah, that's a very. The sample well, size is I mean, very small. It's, it's not that's. It's not that small. It's 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 Harry Potter, Twilight. Uh, uh, Ho- I mean, Hobbit was broken up into three pieces. I mean, the Twilight that, movies that was were all abusive. bad, though. Like those movies were all terrible. It, and then, and then there's also, and then there's also movies like Alita: Battle Angel that that just never got the second part. Um, <laughs> well, we've 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 passed that hurdle, so the right, right. second, so, second part is coming, which yes. is good. Um, it always makes me nervous when they do these grand things and they don't film them all at once. Right. But I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> but it's yeah, it's like a it's a you know it's a tent. I mean, it is a 
it, there have yes, it's a it's it's a, a trend from the last ten to fifteen years. But wait, 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 I got one. Kill Bill. Okay, well, but but they filmed both of those at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that was so one, part one, part two. That was like but, one, I mean, okay. one long movie. We've got one example. Yeah, yeah one example, bunch of bad one example ones. from right. 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, <that one. laughs> I, I mean, I got think being suspicious is fair. I have another, yeah. I have <laughs> another example since you guys, since all you guys trying to be positive people, Endgame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, okay. okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Endgame yeah. is great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, but that wasn't based on an original story. That was always meant to be two parts, too. Kind of. Yeah. It's not like it was one story that was split up. Oh, oh, it was always up. meant to be two part. It was always two, it was meant always to be, meant yeah. to be two written films as two rather films. than one yeah. story well, I mean, that they split. It's based on. Yeah. That's I mean, probably why I like Infinity. I mean, it was based a comic on the which is just gauntlet. spread into a million pieces. Yeah. Um, that's probably why you you can't use Lord of the Rings as an example because that's always supposed to be three parts. Well, I mean, right? The Hobbit is what is the right. example. The Hobbit's a much better example. That's what I'm saying. But Infinity Gauntlet is a is a is a graph is a graphic novel by if anybody if anything is called a graphic novel that marvel put out but before 2010 uh then infinity gauntlet is okay. and and the first infinity war movie was an adaptation of the first issue of infinity gauntlet all right i'm okay. out of things so, to say about this movie <laughs> so i mean i mean that's yeah but uh yeah, but but yes uh so we're hopeful and, i think so and, so uh, as I'm long hopeful. as it's as good as Endgame. <laughs> then then huh. the second part of Dune. I mean, I, I trust Villeneuve a lot. Yeah. He's a film. Well, everyone a is always filmmaker. successful trying to to recreate the things that the Marvel Cinematic Universe can pull off. <laughs> I'm definitely going to prioritize going back and watching uh, both Blade Runner and Arrival now that I've seen a Villeneuve film. I mean, I was considering and tempted to, to make a Arrival a movie for our podcast, right? But the only ones I've seen are Arrival and Blade Runner. I, I liked so. Arrival until Jeff said he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, wait, my oh, taste in movies does suck. Never mind. I have to hate it now. I would I, be pretty thrilled. We have to do something. We have yes, to do, we for, do for next month. So, yeah, I, I'm glad that you're going that you're considering picking Arrival because I was thinking about it and then decided I didn't want to. OK, because it's not really I feel like I feel like I need to sort of come up with a movie that isn't sci-fi for the next one so like i need to i I don't know what i'm gonna watch yet kendall is currently digging into uh into something for i suspect what is about to be our randomization (laughs) the hard thing is is like the two movies that i'm deciding between one of which is arrival they're both space movies what's your other one the martian that's a good movie that's that's a great movie i hope you know your uh uh how many of us are there four so i need a eight (laughs) <laughs> but but speaking of Villeneuve, yeah, in, in addition to Blade Runner, I also recommend Sicario, Enemy, and Prisoners. Or a D10. Oh, Sicario is really Sicario is I, didn't know that, I didn't know yeah. that was Villeneuve. Okay. Yep, Sicario, Enemy, Prisoners, all worth watching. Again, I have oh, not. Oh, and I, I still haven't is, seen is Sicario. Really good one. Okay. It looks like Incendies. It, it was really good. Ensemble. Yeah, I looked through I mean, his whole filmography. Made, I haven't so. watched a single one. <laughs> yeah, I, like a few months ago, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to catch up on my Villeneuve. Okay, okay. okay. So I got a D8. Okay, so do you so, have the list? The, are you going to read the full list of our choices before you roll for yes. it? Yes. <laughs> How did we populate this list? We all nominated two things. I barely I remember this. I barely remember this, too. Well, I, think, okay. I think we all nominated two Christmas films. Okay, yes. Although I don't know that we've all listed them. I don't remember the movies that I nominated. They're Christmas movies? Yes. We did this, I think, when we I don't just, think... before we no- started talking about doing yeah yeah we uh we did it um but like we three months ago uh, but i don't think you guys actually picked movies <laughs> I oops was say, i don't remember well, picking a movie you had a chance to pick movies and then you <laughs> waited so that was all. a mistake apparently because <laughs> now you just gave kendall six picks so good job guys oh, man. <laughs> 
Okay, so well, we'll do it. I guess we'll go. We'll go around. Um, so okay, I'm gonna. I got a, a D8, and this is gonna choose what our next month's movie is. If it's a one, the movie is Gremlins. Okay. If it's a two, the movie is Jingle All the Way. Nice. If it's a three, what is it? What is it, Nick? Uh, that Jack, the terrible Jack Frost film. Uh, not not the not the live action one, but I believe it is a claymation Jack Frost film from the fifties or sixties. It's bad, so I kind of hope okay. it's not that. But I also kind of want it <laughs> Why to be that put it on the list? <laughs> because it's awful, and I want to subject okay. you guys to it. Okay, uh, and number four. Oh, I don't know. I said it in the chat. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you. I don't even uh, do you want to come one, back? Yeah, one second. Come keep, back to you. Keep, keep going. Okay, what are your two movies, Jeff? Gosh, I don't know. Christmas movie. Uh, a Christmas story, I guess. I like that okay. one. Um, uh, I was going to say Die, Die Hard, but I've never seen Die Hard, I guess. But I've wanted let to. Me, let me pick Die Hard. All right, you pick Die Hard. There we go. <laughs> um, That's one of my two picks. Gosh. All right, you guys come back to me. Let me come back for the second one. All right, mine's Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, and I'm what's your second one? Uh, give me a second. Make Nick pick his other one. Okay, so my other one was Klaus from 2019. Oh, that's, yeah. That's okay. a good one. Actually. I've heard of it. it I, I think it won an Oscar at, like, 2019. Hmm. Or it was at least nominated, but I don't I don't remember if it won. No, it didn't It didn't win, because it's not a Pixar movie. Oh, that's right, because, of course, it's a, the animated film. And that... Oh, I know. I got mine. It's, it's a Wonderful Life. We'll do that one. Classic. Yeah. That's a great movie. I don't know if I All right, so we just right. need one more for Ian. <laughs> All right, I've got a kind of weird one. It's called uh, The Bishop's Wife. Hmm. It's the only one I don't know. Yeah, never heard of it. All right, so again, number one is Gremlins. Number two is Jingle All the Way. Number three is Terrible Jack Frost Film. From 1979. <laughs> That's its official okay. theatrical release. Uh, number four is Klaus. Number five is A Christmas Story. Number six is It's a Wonderful Life. Number seven is a diehard number eight is bishop's wife i'm gonna do my best fully work here and it's actually called jack frost like that's the whole name so i, I had it. let's hope we don't get that one <laughs> i'm really crossing my fingers christmas story okay cool i like that movie eh. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think i have enough to talk about it's fine yeah. I, and we're also gonna do ranking we're also gonna rank every movie that, oh, we, nice. that we uh that we've discussed. And this is so. all going to be in the same episode? We're yep. Talking. It's going to be a very long episode. <laughs> Longer okay. than this one. Carve Maybe, out some time. We don't have to talk that long about Christmas Story. I guess, no, I, yeah. yeah, I don't we'll, feel we'll, the need to. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a Radio Days episode. <laughs> it's a better version of Radio Days. You're right. No. Um, <laughs> I like it better than Radio Until Days next... Too. But we'll see what we really think about that next time on the Kennelcast Movie Roundtable. Radio Days is a perfect film. <laughs> Kendallcast. Kendallcast. Kendallcast.ninja. Celebrating media. Media, hobbies, and passion since 2014.